to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoons. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from the Phoenix Valley. We've got a guest that's actually from the Phoenix Valley today. It's been a while since we've had somebody from the Phoenix Valley, so we're excited to welcome Chris McShanig from MedVA and BizVA. So Chris is the president and CEO of both of those companies, and they're based in Las Vegas. That's where they're domiciled, but Chris is here in the Phoenix Valley with me. But we were just discussing before we before we jumped on that he lives on just the opposite end of the valley from me, so about as far as he could live from me and still live in the same valley. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Austin. It's a pleasure to, to get the chance to, to catch up with you and love to, you know, our conversation and hopefully we'll take some nuggets out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I don't remember how long you've lived in the Phoenix Valley, but we're, we're coming into the best part of the year weather-wise, so hopefully you're ready to enjoy that. I'm definitely looking forward. I, I saw the snow fields open this weekend and such a fantastic time to be in the valley. Uh, I'm really enjoying the weather as we we survived the last four or five months. It seemed like there's a longer four or five months this time. Yeah. Well, for our listeners, I'm sure they're hearing a, a bit of an accent. So why don't you tell us a little bit of background about you, where you where you came from, how long you've been in the States, and we'll go from there. Sounds good, Austin. Thank you. Yeah, it's an interesting story. So I originally from Australia, came over in 2000 as an expat uh, with IBM. I told my mother I'd be gone for three years. That was 23 years ago. I came over here single, now married uh, four, to a fantastic woman. I have four children. I actually just became a grandparent about six months ago. So such a blessing. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm here for the long haul, uh, although I do get a chance to get back to Australia on a regular occurrence and was just back there last month. And, you know, it's hard. As I tell folks, I'd love to live in Australia and work in the U.S., but it's just the commute that's a problem. So so we'll we'll, we'll get working on that. So yeah, so I came over in, in 2000 as an expat and really it was in the asset intensive industry at that point, really enjoying that, working with air, you know, airlines, mining, government utilities. About two years into that, about a year into that, I, I switched and joined a company, ultimately took them through an IPO, an eventual sale, started my own business, and then got involved with Ronald McDonald House Charities and really saw a need in the healthcare space that really drove me to take the business and switch it in a different direction. And so we focused, switched and pivoted to the healthcare industry. Through doing that, got very much involved through meaningful use and helping a number of very large health systems in their transition on the revenue cycle as well as on the clinical side. But as I was working with them, I constantly, the struggle was, particularly as I talked to doctors and physicians, how can we find the best staff members and their struggles with staff members? And as we got through the pandemic, it became very apparent to me that there was a definite need and the healthcare industry had always struggled with making this move to remote working. Uh, the pandemic kind of forced that upon them with telehealth and other initiatives. And so I got uh, in discussions with a couple of doctors. We decided to kind of form a business called MedVA, which was focused in the healthcare space, providing uh, for doctors, dentists, and veterinary you know, virtual staffing needs. And very quickly, I realized to pivot that, 
uh, that there was a bigger issue than just in the healthcare space. And so hence we have the business BizVA, which is focused in providing remote team members uh, in the business community outside of healthcare. And that's really grown to the point that we're actually adding close to 100 clients a month and over 150 VAs. And I'm so blessed to have this opportunity to really come alongside small business owners like your listeners, as well as large organizations to really support uh, their staffing needs and, and just really be able to take care of what I like to refer to as the eating so they can take care of the dreaming to really grow their businesses without the limitations of staffing concerns. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that you're right. I mean, it's it, virtual assistance or, you know, out, outsourced staffing. It's It's been something that's been used for, I don't know, I mean, probably close to 20 years, maybe even longer than that. But it's really gotten a lot bigger specifically because of the pandemic in the last few years. And so I, I think it's interesting to hear that there are certain areas of business, right? Certain industries like the medical industry, that hadn't really embraced it, weren't sure how they could use it. And now Correct. they're, you know, taking that on. And, and it's it's filtered over into a lot of other businesses where people are realizing there there are quite a few things that you can outsource and, and actually make your business more efficient in doing so. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's where I think the big difference really comes in in the market is thinking about, and I think we've all as business owners been forced to really evaluate what is the best work. I as a leader can be doing to grow my business forward and what are the tasks that maybe hold me back and then looking at those and evaluating them particularly as we got more comfortable with remote working where could I best leverage those services at both a cost model and a cost arbitrage but also from an efficiency and so in working with our clients we've seen our VAs be able to not only reduce the cost of staffing by about $80,000 for every person you migrate from in-house to remote but also about a 40% productivity bump because now you've got folks that are dedicated and 100% focused on the work that you need done. Uh, on top of that, when you combine those two together, we're seeing a lot of our clients experience up to about a 50% revenue bump because you're able to get more done with less and therefore drive more revenue and ultimately more profitability in the business. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, right? I mean, we as business owners ourselves, my my business partner, Landon, and I, we work exclusively with business owners and we're always talking to them about the importance of offloading the things that they can to somebody else, whether it's virtual or not. But by sure. doing that, that frees you personally up to be more efficient in what you do that's uniquely beneficial to the company that you bring to the table versus somebody else can bring to the table. Correct. Because at any, at any given point in time, I'm a firm believer that the limit to the growth of a business is the leader. That is the ceiling because that's really what tends to hold folks back that we as leaders tend to not want to delegate. Uh, maybe we feel like it's not going to be done to the best of our ability, but also we tend to hold on to things that aren't the best work we could be doing which really limits the ability for others to grow. Um, and it, it kind of goes down the line, right? If you are holding on to stuff and you think about it, what's the best work you as a leader can be doing it is setting the strategic direction of the business, defining the growth and plans, and then managing and leading the team towards that. And that's the best work I think folks can be doing. And the best work our team can be doing is really supporting that, whether it be through research, whether it be on the customer service side and responsiveness back to customers, uh, the human research, you know, and even things like bookkeeping, you know, sales assistant, driving your sales, being responsive to client demands and needs, 
where you can really be stepping forward and doing more work that drives the business and not having to deal with some of the back office marketing, sales, functions, administrative tasks. Yeah, so <clears throat> some of the things that you just mentioned actually are, are, are interesting because you guys are employing that in your own business. So let's take a step back and talk about, you know, you're, you're the president and CEO of, of these organizations. You're running the day-to-day -day of the operations, but Correct. you didn't found the company. There are other co-founders that founded the company. So Correct. tell us a little bit about that background and how they're actually realizing that's not our strength. We need to bring in Chris to run the business for us. So I'll kind of tee that up for you and let you tell us the story. Thank you, Austin. So yeah, so two doctors, Dr. Stephen Kaufman and Dr. Omid Shea formed the business that is called MedVA. And they realized very clearly in their own practices, they were struggling. You know, Dr. Shea would constantly get feedback from his patients saying, I love you, Dr. Shea, but I can never get through to your office. It's very frustrating to get through. I'd love to work with you, but I just can't get through. Dr. Kaufman, on the other hand, who runs at oral maxil facial surgery, and he has six physicians, you know, his scheduling was a struggle. How can I get patients scheduled consistently to work them through the process and constant follow-up? And so now to the point that over 50% of their staff members are remote and really driving additional value for them because they realize that. And then in talking to their colleagues, it became very apparent that their colleagues had the same struggles of frustration. And then you put on top of that, the burnout that has been occurring in the healthcare industry. You know, doctors are so frustrated with the administrative tasks they have to do with reduced reimbursement, there had to be a better solution. And that's really what spawned the business on the medical side. Then we realized a lot of our, our doctors, dentists, clients were pulling us into the non-healthcare space because they realized they had other businesses and other things that were going on that they needed assistance. And as we grew, it really the word got out and it grew exponentially because of the great service we did. Because our model is a little different than most in that we don't just find people and place them with you and, and walk away. We're very intentional. We engage the team. We bring them on board. We take them through a recruitment, compliance, and training process. We also provide the medical and retirement benefits. So our goal is to invest back in the teams in the Philippines and Latin America to really get the best and the brightest and to retain them therefore being able to retain our clients and provide a managed services model where you have a dedicated team member that's working with you and it's really an extension of your team. And we found that to be the best and that's really how we grew. Uh, and as that business started to grow, the doctors realized that the best work they could be doing was continue to take care of the patients that they had, but they needed somebody to really step in and lead and drive the business. And, and hence how we got together and, and got the uh, business going. And it's yeah. been, I mean, it's been amazing. I mean, in the last... 12 months, we've had about a 600% growth and we're on a trajectory to continue, not at 600%, but we'll probably double here pretty quickly. As I said, you know, growing at you know, triple digits on clients and team members every month. Yeah, that's great. So how did you get connected with the two doctors then? How did you guys meet? How did it, how did it come about that you got connected with them and ended up ultimately running the firm? So it's an interesting story. A gentleman by the name of Lee Benson, who runs an organization called Execute to Win. Now, here's a methodology called the most important number and decision. And he was doing some work with the doctors to kind of help them out. And Lee and I had known each other in the past and realized that you know, there was a clear need that there was a great opportunity to take this business to the next level, but needed the right folks to be surrounded in that. And so then Lee and I got talking. He introduced me to the doctors. And then ultimately, we, we came to terms on 
you know, what the best work they could be doing in their role, some of the best work that I could be doing to really take the business forward. So that's really how we got connected through some mutual connections. Gotcha. So on the staffing side, <clears throat> you mentioned a few things. I, I think you mentioned them kind of quickly. So maybe we just go back and circle back and and talk about some of the things that that business owners should be thinking about. So let's start on the medical side first. Like you mentioned that 50% of their staff is now outsourced. So let's talk about what functions those virtual assistants or the, the outsourced staff is doing. And then, and then we can talk about on the business side as well, just some of the things, because I think everybody thinks about, you know, okay, appointment setting, or maybe, you know, maybe accounting, but other than that, I don't know that that business owners truly understand what can be outsourced and how that makes them more efficient. Correct. Yeah, and I'll I'll share with with your listeners, and we'll, we'll get it in the cast uh, the podcast notes. There's really what we put together is a hundred tasks a medical VA can perform for you, and then 250 tasks a business VA can perform for you, and broken down by the categories. But on the medical side, we're really targeting on four main areas answering and responding to patients. And so that's kind of receptionist services, phone, email, things, you know, getting that communication and building that engagement between your practice and your patients. The second is on the administrative side. So dealing all the administrative back office functions, insurance verification, eligibility, all of those things that go into a practice. The third being billing, making sure that they're getting paid for the services that they perform, both for the insurance company, but also from the patient's. And then the fourth, which is really a high growth area for us, is medical scribing. So updating the medical records as a doctor's meeting with a patient. And so that allows a doctor to be fully interacting with the patient at that time, not entering information in the system. And so that really focuses on really improved um, patient satisfaction and care. And about 85% of our team members in that space are nurses. The Philippines has a fantastic healthcare education, and we, we are intentional to hire folks there. On the business side, you know, you really kind of similar kind of models. You really start from how do you interact with your clients? You know, what's the interaction, whether it be through phone calls, whether it be through social media, interacting and outreaching, leveraging marketing. And so our our teams really support a number of clients in those spaces and getting that collaboration and engagement between your clients. And what we like to refer to as the client experience. What's the experience like of a business working with you or wanting to engage with you? Then we, we kind of go that next step and then work on the sales side. So how are we doing outbound and inbound sales for you? When you think about and the market research associated or building sales material, things of that nature. And then on the client relationship, now you have a client. How do I improve the experience, not only of a new client coming in, but also an existing client? So you start thinking about you know, follow-ups, tracking payments, tracking status on initiatives, monitoring client satisfaction. Those tasks are very well performed by our virtual assistants because they're highly repetitive, consistent, process-oriented. And then you touched on a little bit, Austin, you know, account keeping, bookkeeping are keys for, that we do a lot of work that really help get you as a small business owner understanding the financials in your business. So you're not focused on that. And then team members can provide you actionable data on the financial side. And because of that, we've seen a lot of growth in the real estate and legal side because they're highly process-oriented and an ability for our VAs to really lean in and do research and support for our, our clients. And then you can do things like, we have a lot of folks that do kind of project management as well as, you know, travel assistant, executive assistant you talked about from a scheduling. You know, the interesting one, I was just talking to a client earlier today 
you know, one of the things he was struggling with was outbound marketing because he had sales reps that would drive out to all of his referring partners and kind of get to know them and, you know, maybe bring them some donuts or whatever and build that relationship. He's now through, and he's in the California area. He's kind of stepped back, reevaluate that. And we've got him a team of virtual assistants that now essentially leverage our services, zoom into their clients, do referrals, DoorDash, another virtual solution, provide the food. So now you're really leveraging technology to drive your business forward to the point that he's been able to two to three X the number of folks he's been able to connect with and hence drive business of about a 60% growth because now he can get to more referral partners, be more collaborative without having to deal with traffic and get fully engagement from his referral partners and therefore ongoing marketing and, and support and referrals. So that's been a, a key area. So, you know, what we're working with a lot of our clients is to define those use cases and think about what is it that's holding you back today? What If you were to step back and say, where is my business not growing and what are the limitations? We've seen with a lot of our clients is four main things. One being technology, your technology adoption. Two being your reimbursement, inflation, pricing pressures. The other two are very clearly identified as finding good staff and then retaining good staff. And so we really take care of those two. And then by doing that, you can start to focus on tackling the others and then developing use cases where you can leverage more and more of our team members to support your needs so you can be focused on what's most important in growing the growth of business and really having a value creation mindset. I think that's great. So you, you mentioned the technology aspect. I wanted to ask you about that a little bit further. So... You know, these are repeatable tasks, like you said, a lot of them are just, you know, it's, it's the same thing every time. It's a transaction, it's a follow-up on it, it's put it in the accounting book, it's follow-up on that particular client, follow-up on this sales opportunity. It's, it's, it's you know, a simple-ish repeatable process. So right. from a technology standpoint, what do you guys either provide or what do you find that is beneficial for the companies that hire you to use as a way to make sure that this is all pushed out and followed up on and nothing falls out of, you know, falls through the cracks, so to speak. So from a collaborative standpoint, we really encourage our clients to leverage, whether it be Slack or Teams, those instant messaging response tools, because that gives you a, a instant connection into, you know, your, your virtual assistants. It's no different, like as we experience in, in the office, right? If somebody's right there next to you, you can reach out and touch them. In a virtual world, those tools are huge, huge for us and huge for our clients to leverage. Uh, and then also leveraging those in your communications with your clients because it's an integrated, what I refer to as an integrated collaborative solution. And so tying that in with your emails, tying that in with your social media posts so that you have a overall picture of your communication and stickiness that you want to develop with your clients. On top of that, we have a, a client portal that we leverage so you can have a view into what your VAs are working on and I have them provide an end of day report. So here are the tasks we focused on today. Here's the tasks that are focused on tomorrow. Here's the potential barriers you have. And then we also have a section on metrics, right? And so we tie into the client's existing metrics to say whether it be call volume, closure rates, things of that nature that our clients are targeting. And so we encourage them to leverage technology, whether it be on the Google suite or the team suite to really drive that overall collaboration and stickiness with their, with their VAs as well as with their clients. Gotcha. So on that client portal yourself or that you, that you talked about, is that your own 
software or are you guys piggybacking on a different software? How does, how does that work from a task? Yep. Perspective? Yeah. So we've built out our own software platform, um, leveraging, you know, a number of uh, industry standard tools to really be able to drive that ability for you as a client to see into your business and what the virtual assistants are doing, whether it be your invoices, whether it be what your VAs are working on, but also to be able to procure and identify other, other virtual assistants. And so we have a marketplace we can go in and say, hey, I have a need for a really strong, if I'm a real estate, really strong real estate VA, you can go in, apply a certain number of filters, you'd be able to identify those. And then you could select from our, our pool and then engage them. And the difference that we do is we don't just allow you to select, but we also provide you a dedicated personal account manager that can kind of walk you through and onboard you in the process because we also have an onboarding portal as part of that to kind of identify what are the key things that you need to have in place for a virtual assistant, whether it be VPN setup, voice over IP, and the key areas that are necessary to really get the most value out of your virtual assistant. And on the back end, we have VA managers that work with our VAs to provide them ongoing coaching and training so they're best equipped for the needs you have. And then we have a training department at BizVA University where we take a lot of information that we learn from clients and we apply that back into our BizVA University to ensure we train and have the best folks available and well-trained and ready to go for our clients. Yeah. So what about a case study? Do you have one that you could share with us? You know, pick a, a particular client. This was their issue. This is what we did. Because here's, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was the metrics, right? I think a lot of business owners really struggle with outsourcing it to somebody who's outside of their office because they don't feel like I can see them. I can't manage them. I can't tell if they're staying on task. I can't tell if they're doing the things that they need to be doing. So there's that metric. So you can speak to that and why, you know, how I guess maybe expound upon how you guys do that so that they're seeing that reporting and they get comfortable with being having virtual assistance that they haven't had in the past. And then maybe follow that up with a case study of, of, what it's done from an improvement standpoint for a specific client that you guys have. Yeah, it's, I appreciate the opportunity. So, you know, for us, we're very intentional to provide metrics and support and visibility into what the virtual assistants are working on. And so we do productivity reporting. We also have a dedicated time recording system that essentially won't allow the clock or the time to move and or record unless there's actually activity going on and it limits the places they can go. So they, they go to Facebook or Instagram, then the time recording will stop. So you can be rest assured that you, the work that's being done is appropriate, right? That somebody's just not, you know, not working for, for your best benefits. And then on top of that, we're able to leverage technology to say, okay, here's how many Slack messages they may have sent. Here's how many emails. Here's how many phone calls. Here's the conversion rate of those phone calls. You know, here's the length of those phone calls. Here's how, many, how long somebody had to wait till they answered the call. Here's how many emails that were produced. Here's the, how many reports were done, whatever the key metric we look to tie into our clients. And so I'll give you a great example. So we had a client was in the construction space and they were constantly losing deals and clients opportunities because people would call their phone, they wouldn't get an answer and then they'd move on to the next. And so what we did is we installed firstly or, or engaged firstly a virtual assistant to work not only the business hours, but then we provide a supplemental one after business hours. By doing that, this client was able to grow their productivity and, and hence their revenue and growth by about 50%. At that point, they were able to really start to generate sufficient revenue that allowed them to expand not only on the West Coast, but then they moved to the East Coast. 
And they wouldn't be able to do that if they didn't have the virtual team to be able to support that growth because then you'd have to go hire folks in those other areas. And because of that, they're now on, I think, their third location and, and looking at a value in their fourth and fifth. And they leverage our virtual assistants, not just to answering the phones, but not also now doing bookkeeping, but also the interesting one is really doing research, research on that new industry, new area, new location to really get a good picture of what that investment would take. Uh, and be, by doing that, they've been able to not only reduce their, their staff members or not actually have to expand that staff members, but reduce the staff members and improve their profit margin by about 10%. So they went from a business that was in the 15% range to now 25 because they were able to reduce their staffing costs while they grew the revenue top line, but also be able to improve the productivity. And so that's where I think we, we find the best uh, because what's happening in our industry is folks are kind of dipping their toe in the water and say, I'd like to try this. But on average, 10 to 15% of our clients are expanding their VA services. And so I have a number of clients, about 60% of my clients have one to five VAs, but I have clients now in the 60, 70, even over 80 VAs because they realize it's a rinse and repeat model, you know, particularly as they buy a organization or a practice on the medical side or a small office on the business side, they're able to apply consistency and repeatability and predictability for their team members, whatever location they're at. So they don't have to go find people in those locations. They have a pre-built workforce, a model office that they can go and place at other areas. And that's been a huge game changer for a lot of our clients that are small businesses and looking to grow. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's really about, right? It's about productivity and increased profitability and, and, those things allow you to be able to be more competitive in the marketplace. You know, maybe Correct. you have the ability to adjust your pricing so that you are, you know, cheaper than the guy next door. And, and that allows you, you know, you're allowed to do that because you've become more efficient by utilizing these, these services. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask specifically about artificial intelligence. It seems to be the buzzword. Everybody wants to talk about it. It's going to revolutionize how all business is done, the medical space, everywhere. So what are you guys doing, if anything, specifically right now, or what do you have on the horizon or see on the horizon for something that you guys will, will utilize in the future to make you guys even more efficient through your virtual staffing services? Yeah, I mean, I think we're really embracing it. And so one of the things we're evaluating doing is if you think about the tasks, as we mentioned earlier, Austin, highly repetitive, predictable task. Um, but but a lot of it is retaining on top of that that personal touch. And I think from the AI, you lose a lot of that personal touch. So what we're doing is really putting together solutions where you can combine those two together. A virtual assistant leveraging AI to improve your business, whether it be you know, pr predictable scripting in the way you handle phone calls, predictable scripting and maybe how you handle social media and web design and web posting, uh, video editing, or, or even like yourself, your podcast management. How do you leverage or embrace that technology? Because ultimately AI works well when it's well taught. And so you can, helping our businesses teach the AI tools how to work, but also being there to ensure that it still has that personal touch. Because I think all of us are really frustrated when we get on the phone and we call some service and we go through an automated process or we interact with somebody, uh, whether it be you know, via chat or whatever, and it's very automated and you don't get that sense of a personal touch. That's where I think we're really looking to come alongside the AI community and provide that personal touch and virtual assistance to support that. And so we're 
working through and there's a number of posts and I can get that out to, to your listeners about how virtual assistants and, and AI can work harmoniously and the value added of embracing both of those at the same time versus one or the other. Yeah, I think that's really what it's about, right? I mean, everybody talks about these conspiracy theories about artificial intelligence taking over the world or taking over all jobs and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is, or the power is, comes from augmenting what you do by letting AI take some of the mundane things away, right? Correct. So I'll give you a perfect example that I think would work extremely well in your in what you guys do, and you guys may already be doing this, but for our listeners, you know, help or, or you know, understanding, I guess, I would I would look at it this way, right? So on the medical side, you've got when when you go to see the doctor as a consumer, you wait in the waiting room, then you go back, right? You get weighed, you you know, you get your blood pressure taken, you get all this kind of stuff, and and a nurse or a physician's assistant or you know somebody like that who is asking you some some basic questions and they're filling all this information in and they're literally typing while they're talking to you right well and then the doctor comes in and sometimes asks the exact same questions or will review some of the things that they saw on on the chart but the question is why couldn't the whole conversation just be recorded so that the so that they can be present and listening to you instead of typing right you feel more engaged as a consumer as a patient in that particular instance right and then behind the scenes there's somebody on the virtual staff who has medical background who's reviewing all of this recording that was generated the transcription was generated by ai Mm -hmm. they're reviewing it for accuracy and correctness they have the audio that they can listen to to see if it's correct right and then they're generating the transcription of the notes and and putting it in the file like I think that that changes the medical industry completely and the consumers are going to have a better outcome. The doctors and nurses are going to be in and out of rooms quicker. They're going to be able to see more patients, which means it's going to be easier to schedule. That's the kind of power that AI brings to the table. I would 100% agree. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot of growth in the medical scribe space because we leverage some of that today, right? Predictable scripts and getting information into the medical system so that you have accuracy and the and the doctor in that case can be interacting with the patient also in the business community when you start thinking about if you get a phone call you get information or a quote right one of the first things you you call it to had like to learn more about you know let's say for example one of our clients is a painting company what's it cost to paint my house right that's a big question they get and so the the vas go through a script okay how big is the house you know is it one story two story all of those things could be captured real time. And then you could get a pretty much an instant quote, right? Back to your clients. Think about that stickiness and experience. If, if I'm a you know, potential consumer and I want to get my house painted, I don't want to have to call you. You figure something out. You call me back that backwards and forwards. I want to get some real time. But also if I want to ask questions about it, I want to get in touch with somebody who's educated that can answer those questions. And that's where I think the the virtual assistants and the team members, what I refer to as remote team members, come alongside to support that. Right? It's that added touch and, and feeling of customer service. And that's why I think our team has grown so much. If your listeners have had a chance to travel internationally and experience the customer relationship nature of the folks in the Philippines, it's fantastic. I mean, the Philippines are the third largest English-speaking country in the world. It's the first language taught in schools, and they're very intentional and appreciative of working with and engaging with 
you know, clients and folks. And uh, you know, that's the best part I think about our company is just that feeling of being accepted and included. And with AI, you know, you're, you're, as you mentioned, there is this risk of being non-human and not that touch. And I think we all in this virtual world still want to feel like there's a human interaction going on. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So quick question, and then, I'm gonna, and then I've got a follow-up comment to what you just went through. So what percentage of your virtual staffing is in the Philippines right now compared to other countries? So it's about 80% right now is in the Philippines, but it's growing a lot in our Latin American market. And then we're also uh, investigating it, and we've got some folks in the European markets to support some of our clients because at the moment, all of our clients are in the US, although we have some in Australia and Canada, and then we're actually looking at acquiring some clients in the European market as well. Because the beauty of our business is we have access to an untapped global workforce and we can support you know clients around the globe. Um, virtual assistants today in the Philippines support our US business hours, which is you know for them as the evening shift, but also we have you know support for Australia, which is the day shift in the Philippines. And then similarly we have the Latin American markets that support a lot of our US-based clients and their, their uh, time zones as well. Gotcha. So just a quick follow-up to the example that you gave of a, of a painting company, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think all of us have experienced some sort of, a, of an experience where we needed something done at our home, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and the construction industry is, is known for, you know, a contractor showing up, or maybe it's even an estimator, if it's a larger company, the estimator is showing up and they're taking a look around for whatever you need done, right? So you're talking about painting your house and, and they will, they'll literally show up and they'll walk around the house. They'll look at this, they'll point a couple of things out and then they'll say $3,800, right? Like they get, they give you no basis, no nothing. They may not even in have measured a thing, right? Right. And so I, I think about it from what you, you know, the example that you just gave where they've got this list of questions to ask. Right. So right. painting your house, you know, how, how tall is how tall is your roof line? How tall are the walls? Is it a one story? Is it a two story? How many right. windows are there? Is it a different color around the windows? Right. How big is that? You know, pop out is what it's called around the window of a stucco house. Right. How how wide is the pop out? Right. And, and if you go through all those questions and you fill it in, then all of a sudden we as a consumer get an estimate back and it lays out how many windows there were, what the square footage of the walls is, and, and that this bid is good for plus or minus 10 percent of that. If we get Correct. there on site and the measurements are different, then it's subject to it, you know, to change. But as a consumer, we're getting a complete estimate where we see where the pricing came from. Instead of just feeling like the contractor is trying to guess whether or not we're willing to pay more or less and then throwing a number out. Because that's how consumers feel today about those types of businesses. Correct. I mean, even layer on top of that, Austin, leveraging a virtual assistant to get those questions. But then also the team could do research with current technology, right? With Google Maps, right? They could get a picture of your house you know, based on the address. They could lay it out and go, okay, here's technically what it would look like, right? You want this color. Okay, here's what your house would look like. And really start to build that relationship with your clients. And that takes time. And that takes a ministry of responsiveness and access. And that's where our team really comes alongside our clients and helps them with that. Because there are a lot of those tasks that don't require in-person work and can get you a better or more improved experience. 
Um, yep. And the other beauty of it is a lot of it happens after hours, you know, for our clients. And so how do you ensure that you have the right people available in, in, during the business hours, but also after hours to support and be consistent. And that's why I think with our model of dedicating our team members to our clients, it's repeatability and predictability. So the, the response you get maybe during the business hours is the same response you're going to get after hours and it's the same experience you have. And so you're driving that constant client experience and predictability on, on your, your product or your service that you provide. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's talk about the business a little bit more itself. When did it start? And then you said you recently had, you know, this 600% growth. So is that a combination of MedVA and BizVA? And now I can see on your, on your background here, it says my ortho VA. So it looks like you guys are either getting ready to, or just recently launched another division. So kind of fill us in there. So, so the business has been on the medical side, has been around for a little over two years. And I joined back in May of 2022. So not long after the business got started. The BizVA side of the business started, I think we, we launched that officially kind of in September of 2022, but really got aggressive in that this year. And so when I talk about a 600% growth, that's at the business as a whole with all the combined entities. I would tell you that on the medical side, it's probably growing three to four X. And on the business side, it's, I think it's, it's the last I looked at, it was probably seven X because, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in that business space. You think about the addressable market on the medical is a little smaller, but it's also less saturated, right? I mean, it's not as well known as you talked about on the business side. It's a lot bigger addressable market, but it's a little more saturated. And so we've started to get more traction as time's gone by and get our name and brand in the market. And so that that's really the growth of the business. On the My Ortho side, as you, as you touched on, yes. Yeah, so, so about a month ago, we launched My Ortho VA, which is focused in the orthodontic space. The reason why we chose to kind of go there is, if a number of your listeners, very rarely today do you as an orthodontic patient go into the office. And so a lot of it is done digitally to the point that there are apps where you take a photo of your mouth. They can give you estimates very quickly. They can set up a patient plan. Then they'll ship you the Invisaligns. And then really the process is done seamlessly. And so it re doesn't require you to go back in the office. If, you know, in the old days, you'd have to go every couple of weeks, get things adjusted. This is really a, a unique thing. And we've got a, one of our clients basically asked us to get into that space and become our ambassador to really drive that because there's a huge need, a smaller addressable market, but a, but a huge need right now, not only in the US, but, but around the world. And so that's really been the growth of the business. And it's really been born out of the success we've had and the ambassador program we've put in place because we have about a 97% client retention rate and our VAs run around 98% conversion retention. And so our business has really grown from client referrals and the good experience we've done. And so we've been very intentional to provide more of a concierge solution and a managed services solution versus, hey, here's a VA good luck, hope it works out for you. We've come alongside and said, we're going to provide you support for, on your account as you a personal client relationship manager. And then we have folks internally that support our VAs. And so that's really our goal as we build out this organization to really continue that growth. And because of the value that I think we're providing, that's what's really driven a lot of the success of the business today. Yeah, so you mentioned this ambassador program. So I'm I'm gonna have to ask you to tell a little bit about, more about that because my next question was gonna be, how have you guys grown so quickly, right? Just within a couple of years, 
enough to where you've not you started in one section, went to a second, and now you're off to a third. So tell us how the ambassador program works and what you attribute your retention rate to. So I, I think in the ambassador program, the way it works, it's it's very much kind of a profit share model. And so we engage with our key clients and kind of embrace them, ask them to give us feedback, be the voice of the ambassador or the client. Say, what are the use cases that you found best to leverage your virtual assistants? Right? What are the areas within your industry or in your sphere of influence where you feel like virtual assistants could be the best? Then we engage them, we help kind of collaborate on the solutions and offerings, and then we take them to market. And so that's really our, our plan on ambassadors is getting this point of opinions on how best to leverage remote staffing. Because you know, that's one of the holdbacks, as you mentioned earlier, Austin, is, well, I have this person, what do they do? What, what can I have them do? And where is really the value? And so that's the ambassador program we've, we've set up. Um, we've also set up other referral programs where it's like if you're a client and you just, I'd lo- I love this idea and I want to refer you to a friend, we have kind of incentives in that place. The growth to date has really been through leveraging digital marketing, whether it be SEO or paid ads and things of that nature to get the business out. But in the last few months, this ambassador referral program has really allowed us to take off because we're well over 600 clients now and about a little over 2,000 virtual assistants at the moment. And so I think as we leverage those networks, that's what's really driven, I think, a lot of the success is word of mouth, but also we've leveraged digital marketing. So we haven't really tapped into the event marketing or in-person marketing or sales to date. And that's really, I think, the next step in the growth of our business. Yeah, because you've, you've got a unique not problem, I guess, or unique opportunity in in that you've got to grow the business in terms of clients, but you've also got to market to virtual assistants who are Correct. being marketed to nonstop, specifically in the Philippines, because it's a big market for this. And you've got many, many, many competitors who are trying to get them to work for them instead of for you. Correct. And so when we talk about marketing internally, there's really, you know, two things that we focus on, it's client acquisition and then VA acquisition, right? How do I acquire VAs into the organization? So the first part of this year, I've been really focused on how do I improve the experience of a VA working for us, right? As I mentioned, we provide medical benefits, we retire benef- uh, retirement benefits. We also provide ongoing support, whether it be through education or other key initiatives to support our team members in, in the Philippines. That's been very intentional for us because I think if we take care of those folks, they take care of our clients and hence the retention rate. I've also been intentional to support and, and take care of the client experience of being a client with us, right? What is that What is that like? What is the kind of information you need? How do I support you? As we're moving into this year, uh, into next year, my focus is shifting to keep that going, but also what does it feel like to become a VA with us? What's the recruitment process, the engagement process? and leveraging ambassadors in the Philippines to engage there because you know it's it's definitely an advantageous but also a very competitive market to attract VAs. And my goal is, particularly in the business space, is how do I attract VAs from other industries, but not just from other VA companies, but also from the Amazons of the world or the larger BPOs that, to your point, have placed themselves in the Philippines. And by having that work-from-home model, that ability to be working the U.S. business hours which allows them to be present, you know, during the day when the ki- you know, time when the kids go to school, you know, rest while the kids are at school, and then available at night for dinner and things, has been huge because on average it takes about an hour to an hour and a half 
for a VA, for a BPO employee to travel to work. So you think about there's three hours a day in traffic in Manila. And so we've been able to tap tap into that market and provide them the support and the resources to do that, both on a health and wellness program, as well as on a financial side. And so that's the work we, we're doing to attract. And then on the client side, you know, we're being very intentional to start doing some branding work, but also to start to, like this ambassador program, get the voice of the clients. What are the clients needing? What are they looking for? You know, what's the best use case that they could be leveraging virtual assistants for? Because I think the market traditionally in the industry in the past has been all about just give you somebody and walk away. And my goal as I grow this company is to build a technology-enabled platform for remote staffing. And to build that marketplace where a VA could come alongside who's looking for an opportunity, a client could come alongside who's needing support in the ministry task and make that match and be that platform of choice to do that kind of work. Gotcha. So you may have just answered it with that last few things that you mentioned, but what does this look like three to 10 years from now? Or what what's the ultimate exit plan or strategic plan for the business? The strategic plan is really to grow this business to support businesses be successful uh, and take care of their staffing needs. I want to be the global, globally best choice for virtual remote staffing, uh, whether it be in the medical space, whether it be in the business space or, or whatever industry you're looking for, and be that marketplace where the best and brightest VAs can be coming into and make themselves available and presented for opportunities. And then the best and the brightest clients can come in and find folks that can really take care of their administrative tasks so they can be growing their businesses. And that's the ultimate goal uh, of this organization, whether it be some sort of a liquidity event or also growing it to a point where it's a global leader in the industry. You know, we're still working on that. We're on a fantastic run and having a great time. And my focus is on how do I ensure it's compliant growth, but also successful and profitable growth for our clients. Yeah. So for those who are listening, I'll, I'll just kind of, talk a little bit about what the co-founders have done here, right? So the co-founders have other businesses that they are key to, right? Like they're key Good. people in those businesses. They're the surgeons or they're the doctors or, you know, whatever in, inside of those businesses. And so it's really hard to replace themselves in that particular business. Correct. But in this business, they viewed it as an opportunity to say, I can continue to do what I'm really good at there's an opportunity for me to do something over here, but really purely as an investor, right? Correct. And so they, they've hired you to come in and run the business. And, and I'll just give kind of a quick lesson. So most businesses, when you start a business, you're starting a business, you're providing yourself a job. I mean, that's right. literally what you're doing, right? You're providing yourself a job. And then over time, you work your way towards being an owner and you're kind of living in that owner space because you gave up some of the other employer responsibilities or excuse me, employee responsibilities by hiring other people and delegating those responsibilities. And then if you're really, really lucky, you work really hard and you build an organization to where you've delegated all of that and you become an investor in your own business. And it's truly an investment, just like any other investment that you would hold. These two doctors started as investors with this organization and brought in a really great operator in Chris to come in and run the business for him. Well, I appreciate that, Austin. And I think you're right. As I mentioned earlier, the, what tends to hold the, the growth of any business is their leaders, right? And, and I would definitely credit the growth of this business to Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Shea 
to having that foresight to do that, but also to be ambassadors for themselves personally, right? And so we see about a 70% conversion rate when a doctor refers to another doctor and they've done a fantastic job. And I would encourage folks in your, your listeners that are investors or owner of business, the best work you can be doing is to evangelize the business and then delegating to your point, the tasks that are most important to get the work done, the physical you know, blocking and tackling. But as an owner or as an investor, the best job you can be doing is telling your friends and engaging with clients that are leveraging the services to build that relationship. And that's really, I think, what's credited the growth on the medical side. And then if we, we're replicating that on the business side to really you know, work with those ambassadors that have the best, that are doing the best work, because ultimately I want to build a value creation machine that is continually adding value to our clients and adding value to the team in the Philippines and in Latin America. Because ultimately that's going to be the success of any business is making sure you are adding value wherever you go. And I think there's untapped value creation in leveraging remote staffing because that then leverages you to do the best work you can be doing to grow your business. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's well said. I mean, the reality is you need to look at it and this is not an overnight process, by the way, for any business owner who's listening, but you've got, you've got to look at anything that you can do. If it's not your core competency or not something that only you inside of the organization can do, you've got to figure out a way to delegate that to somebody else. And by doing that, you will ultimately become more efficient as a business and you will be able to grow right now. Like Chris said at the very beginning, most businesses hit that cap or plateau based on their own capacity because, you know, sorry to put it this way, the owner won't get out of their own way. Correct. I 100% agree. And, you know, you've really got to find folks that define the outcomes you want. And so when as we build this organization, I focus on three things. What are the outcomes we want to get to? And the outcome is I want to build a globally renowned preferred virtual assistant company. Okay, what is the structure you need to put in place to build that organization? And we build a really strong structure and engine. And then thirdly, who are the people that fit to that structure that drive those outcomes? I think too often, as you mentioned, Austin, people look at the people first. They go, okay, who do I have within the organization? Then they think about, okay, where do I put them? Hence the structure. And then ultimately they hold people accountable for certain outcomes. My suggestion and recommendation is you flip that on the head, right? You say, what is the outcome I want to drive? Where where do I want to be? What do I want to look like? What, what is the result or the goal I have? And then think about what's the structure to get there. It's not a traditional structure. And so I have intentionally invested in the experience, right? And so I have a chief experience officer. What is the experience like to be a client, to be a VA? What does that feel like? What is the experience you're looking for? Garner that support and interest. And then hence, what's the structure we need to put in place what are the people that you need to support that, right? They're not the traditional people you may think of in an organization. And that's really where I think we've had success. The second I I would tell you is, and I mentioned this earlier, Lee Benson, who introduced me to this organization, has a fantastic business called ETW or Execute to Win. I would encourage your listeners to go check it out. And here's a methodology called Most Important Number and Decision or Mind Methodology. And I think as, as business owners, you really need to start thinking about what is the most important number. A lot of people will say profitability, which truly it is. But in your business, it may be client retention, which has a direct relationship to profitability, or it may be employee relations and retention, or it might be marketing, whatever it might be. But you as a leader need to clearly identify what's the most important number for you 
and then define what's the most important number for each of your leaders. And that's part of the outcomes that you want to drive. And that's where I think, you know, as business leaders, we tend to get, you know, we chase the shiny object. And if we can just focus on what I like to refer to is do less better, right? Do what you do really well, but constantly refining it and doing better is, I think Nick Saban said this, we don't practice to get it, to get it right. We practice till we don't get it wrong. And it's a different mentality. I think as leaders, we need to start thinking about and empowering our team members with that methodology and, and, and thought in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And just, just kind of reiterate or, or encapsulate what you said, you know, the, the reality is decide where you want to be and how are you going to be able to get that and get there. And, and really as business owners, what you need to be doing is draw out a future org chart. Don't fill out any names, just right. draw out a future org chart. What's it going to look like in one year, three years, five years, you know, 10 years. And you can, you can draw that out. You can build it in Excel, you can build it in, you know, PowerPoint, or you can actually literally put a whiteboard in your office and tape out the, the boxes, right? And what your future org chart looks like, and then build to, to that, right? And it's not about Correct. putting people in the box. It's about finding somebody who's going to fill that box to the best available or to the best ability for your company to get where you want to get, right? 100%. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to add there is <clears throat> the, the number for each business can't, or the the most important thing that you're aiming towards can be different for each business, right? And so Correct. you laid out some of those things, but here, here's the reality. 80% of all businesses in this country will not sell, period. They're just not getting, they're not built to be, to be sold. And so those 80% of businesses, their number one number to be marching towards is profit, okay? Correct. If you haven't read the book, Profit First, Mike McCallowitz, he's an author, put, wrote a great book, Profit First. He was on our podcast, I don't know, maybe two, two and a half years ago. Read that book, right? And the reason that profit's important in, in that aspect is if your business is never going to sell, you got to be able to extract as much profit as you can each year from that business to build for your own financial independence. Because I've heard this a million times, my business is my retirement plan. For 80% right. of you, that is not the case, right? So profit is most important there. But for those who are building a business, then I would say that this is a that type of a business that's going to be sold at some point, whether it's to a private equity group, to a competitor, to a you know, somebody that's going to roll up a bunch of virtual assistant companies and you know, virtual staffing companies in the future. There's a lot of different ways for that exit to happen. But for you guys, valuation is the number, right? Correct. You're, everything that you're looking at should be looked through at the lens of valuation. How do I build greater value in this company? And, and the way that you do that is some of the blocking and tackling that you mentioned, right? Great. Providing okay. a great customer experience, building an ambassador program, you know, all that leads to a greater valuation, a 97% retention rate that drives your valuation way above just the typical multiple that you're looking at based on EBITDA or, or gross profits, right? Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So that that's the goal. You know, I like to say you take take care of the big things and you take and you get the and then sorry, take care of the little things and then the big things will be taken care of, right? And that's where I think sometimes we get a little caught up where we don't take care of the little things. And that's where our organization comes along and helps you take care of the little things so the big things can occur. 
right? Because at any time, at any point in time, right, the best you need to be identifying what's the best work I can be doing as a leader and evaluating that and then refining it down to what's the best work my fill in the blank leader can do. And then going down the organization and identifying where's the best work you can be doing, what's the best work that you can be delegating. And I think if you constantly refine that and focus on it, that's where success and growth will come from. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's a great way to end, Chris. So I'm just going to toss it back over to you and let people, you can let people know how to reach your business or you personally if they want to learn more about it. Certainly. I mean, the best way to reach the business is medva.com or bizva.com. That's B-I-Z-V-A.com. Or if you're in the orthodontic space, you know, myorthova.com. You can see on the website, just, there's a button there that says book a call. Happy to book a call and get to know you more, right? And you get to learn one of our client specialists can kind of walk you through the process. But also, you know, feel free to reach out to me on the social media platforms of LinkedIn or Instagram. You know, happy to, to get to know some of your listeners and learn. I'll also, as I mentioned, Austin, we'll drop in the, the chat for your listeners a little more information about, you know, an ROI calculator on leveraging a virtual system. What are the 100 tasks you can do or the 250 tasks you can do in your industry? Uh, because I think education is king in a lot of these things. So really help them think about and be creative and open-minded to leveraging a virtual staffing team. Because a lot of our clients that are most successful look at their virtual team as an extension of their team, not separately, not I outsource this, but this is a extension of my team and really drives productivity and value creation um, because I think that's the best way to go about it. And that's our focus at the organization at MedVA and BizVA is really growing and continually focused on value creation. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Chris, really appreciate the conversation. Appreciate your willingness to be on the show and, and hopefully our listeners got as much out of it as I did. Well, I appreciate it. Austin. Me too. And if for your listeners, I'm not sure when this post or even yourself personally, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I think we all have a lot to be thankful for and I'm very appreciative of the time today. Yeah, you as well. Thanks, Chris. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us next week for an introduction to another great tycoon and be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.